This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Welcome to your favorite film school in the entire world, the Blockbuster Film School, where two former employees of Blockbuster Video, super movie nerds, and a couple of film school, one of us didn't drop out, one of us has several million dollars worth of student loan debt, I don't know. I am You can't declare bankruptcy on it, but you also, they can't come after you about it. So, you know, it's a give and take on that one. I am Alex Bonner. I am one of your hosts, the less attractive host, with always my more attractive host and smarter film school colleague. Oh, is that me? Yeah, I'm that's Nicholas you. Introduce yourself. <laughs> I am Nicholas Souter, yes. your, uh, the other co-host. That's right. The man- I have $400 in debt off my one credit card. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, you are the manager of the Blockbuster. I am more of just the smartass who goes around taking the DVD of Caligula out and putting it in the DVD box of Beauty and the Beast and then closing it. That's just something I like to do when I worked at Blockbuster. Not a big thing. I'm sure it's scarred slash made some child cool. Uh, You may be wondering why you're listening to Blockbuster Film School this week. What is our topic? What is our topic? You're asking yourself, why am I doing this? Well, this week, our topic is national treasure, true national treasure. Mr. Nicholas Cage, America's favorite and, I'm sorry, handsomest actor. Uh, We're going to go through it. We're going to talk about his life, his cinematic career mostly, but I think we're going to just start off with a little bit of, uh, you know, just general trivia about Mr. Cage. It's kind of interesting to talk about. He comes from absolute Hollywood royalty. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who is more of like a prince of Hollywood than this guy. Nicholas Kim Coppola, born January 7th, 1964, known professionally, of course, as Nicholas Cage, which he took the last name Cage because of Luke Cage, one of the Marvel superheroes. He is a huge comic book dork. And we'll talk about Ghost Rider later. Do um, we have to? We absolutely have to. Uh, he was born in Long Beach, California. His dad was a professor. His mom was a professional dancer and choreographer, but more famously, of course, was his grandfather, Carmine Coppola, who was a very famous opera singer. And then, of course, his uncle, Mr. Francis Ford Coppola, the director of The Rainmaker (laughs) and Jack, as well as, of course, The Godfather and the movie that maybe is his best movie, but also where he went insane, Apocalypse Now. But there's some really cool stories, actually, that I've been kind of researching about how when Cage was younger, he was up for uh, the lead in Fast Times at Ridgemont. Well, okay, yeah, we'll get we can get into that. But even before that, The Outsiders, his uncle's movie, he was supposed to be the Matt Dillon character, and he apparently auditioned, thought he nailed it, and then didn't get it, and then had to ride in the car with his uncle, at which point, according to legend, he said, you want to see fucking acting? I'll show you fucking acting. And that is the origin story of Mr. Cage, where his uncle wouldn't let him be in a movie, so he decided to become one of the most famous actors and possibly craziest humans who ever lived of all time, I think. Yeah. Also, we're here with our producer, Brian. Brian, at this point in the show, we need you to edit in it doesn't have to be Nicolas Cage, but just somebody screaming, no, not the bees, the bees. The bees. Just so they know how good the acting well, okay, turned out. Okay, see, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because 
when Cage starts, though, young Cage is a very different thing. When he starts as Nicholas Coppola, right? Because he also went to Beverly Hills High School uh, which, with a lot of very famous actors. Most of the people who were in Fast Times at Ridgemont High were just kind of the theater department at Beverly Hills High School at the time. And this movie kind of came out. And Amy Heckerling, who directed Clueless and was uh, roommates with David Lynch, which we can go, we'll do a whole episode about that at some point. But she directed Fast Times is one of my favorite movies, but he was supposed to be the Judge Reinhold character, the main lead. And uh, it turned out he was like 17. And the producers just because there was like weird laws, particularly at the time where you couldn't shoot certain things at night if you were under 18. So they gave Reinhold a career instead. They gave him a whole thing. That didn't last too long. Man. No, but it, I don't know. Judge Reinhold's still around. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have the same career he had in the 80s, but Judge Reinhold was a big star. We could do, mm, <laughs> Judge Reinhold was over. I might sit out that episode. I don't, oh, come on, man. Reinhold, like. We should talk about Nicholas Cage. Gremlins, though. Gremlins 1, Gremlins 2. He's, he's a Dante guy. I mean, come on. He was a character actor, but anyway, so, but Nicholas Cage still, if you have never seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, is still in it. There's a whole subplot with him that was like cut out, but he's definitely in it. He's in a lot of the background of a lot of the scenes has more hair than he ever had before in that movie. And then you get this sort of early part, which is, I'm not going to say my favorite cage, but it's interesting how, because we were talking about this the other day about like Pacino and there's like old Pacino, there's like Serpico Pacino. And that's sort of a different guy that at a certain point just like disappeared into the ether old, like method acting, solid acting. And it's kind of like cage. I think cage is sort of one of these dudes who started as a serious actor as I, that's even hard. I don't want to discount him, but he started as a more subtle actor. There we go. Subtle is more, he's a much more subtle actor. He would develop the characters with a lot more nuance. And then that would eventually, I think most people's exposure to him would eventually be things like face off where he becomes cage Nicholas K. <laughs> and then eventually it, you know, escalates, but I don't know. What's the first movie that you ever saw him in? Moonstruck was the first movie oh, yeah, I saw Nicolas Cage in. Everybody's mom was like watching it. Yeah, my mom had me watch it. <laughs> They're Italian. My mom's from Italy. Moonstruck is like a, it's like a piece of national treasure. Not to, oh, I hate that we keep going I've back to that. I've done it to you now. Just edit me out of this podcast. No, um, <laughs> yeah, it was the same time. It was Moonstruck and Raising Arizona. Absolutely. My old man was a big fan of like, if a movie, it didn't matter if it was rated R, if he thought it was awesome, he would watch it first, and if he thought it was awesome, he would show it to us when we were, like, 10. He didn't give a shit. And one of the ones was, he was like, you have to see Raising Arizona. This yeah. movie is awesome. It's PG-13, by the way. Is it? Yes, Interesting. it is. Interesting. I guess I guess that's true. I guess of the Coen Brothers ones, it's not really yeah. that hardcore. It's also uh, Edgar Wright's favorite movie. Dude, I mean, it's great. It's up there in terms of, like, masterpieces of sort of weird crime comedies. Like, it's... I think more than anything, it's a family drama. It really is. It really is. It's like a socioeconomic sort of tale of, it is. you know, I mean, you, this guy, but then also it's 1987's version of the, the big short. Ooh, interesting. Uh, yeah, except the big short was about douchebags who wrecked the economy on purpose. And then we're supposed to treat them like heroes. Fuck those guys. Or they bet on the economy failing and they were like, Oh, the economy failed. Oh yeah. I nailed it. I didn't get that from that movie, but that's a different That's what episode. the big short is. They short, they were like, I'm I know, but I don't on- think they're heroes. Like even dark and brutal. Ryan Gosling looks into the camera and goes, yeah, I'm not a good guy. I never said I was. I guess. But, you know, there's also like the part where, you know, Steve Carell and them are like high fiving and there's like half autistic fucking Batman 
being like, I like drums and betting on the wrong thing in the economy. And I'm supposed to give anyway, that's a whole different thing. That's going down an entire rabbit hole. But yeah, no, Raising Arizona was the first thing. I, and but see that character, H.I. McGonna, right? So you look at that, you look at how subtle that character is. I don't think anyone underrates Cage as being one of the funniest actors, but in that he's created this entirely comedic character that's clearly not him. His southern accent, A, he sort of pulls off or is like it's decent. His, his western, you yeah. know, like <laughs> desert flower. Desert flower you are. Turn to the right. But he he's a whole weird thing. I'm on it. I don't it's a very understated performance. I have a different take on Nicolas Cage oh, okay. than you do. Oh, do it. Do it. I'm I don't think he has changed at all. Ooh. At all. <laughs> I don't think he ever crossed that line. He's definitely lost some hair. He's lost a lot of hair. So have I. I'm not going to. He's suggested like, a lot more drugs. This is not a competition. <laughs> but I binge watched a lot of like direct to video Nicolas Cage movies. Oh, yeah. And. I meant recently for the show, but what it comes down to is Nicolas Cage is only as good as what you give him. He has two things that make Nicolas Cage good in a movie. Okay. He's either has a good arc or he's crazy throughout the whole thing or some level of desperation or like super high and come crashing down. Nicolas Cage only works in extremes, sort of. Fair. I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying that that's not the case either, but I really... Cage, to me, is one of these dudes who is honestly a conundrum to me, more than any other actor ever. He is sometimes one of the greatest actors I've ever seen in film. Sometimes he's in adaptation, right? And it's unbelievable. He is pulling the two-character thing, and you forget that it's literally the same actor. It is two distinctly different performances that are really unique and cool, but you're right. You have Charlie Kaufman you know, creating that and allowing him to play that way. And then sometimes he's in Con Air, which is maybe the most racist movie since Birth of a Nation, but people still love the shit out of that movie. And he is supposed to be like a 35-year-old army ranger who goes and, ah, (laughs) oh, honey. And he's basically (laughs) like karate chopping people and has a mullet. You sort of just proved my point, though. Okay. Because adaptation, he gets a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. You give him the two characters. You give him two very different characters, and they're on different paths, and they have different emotions, and they handle everything different. And one's very happy-go-lucky, and the other one is losing his goddamn mind, writing himself into his screenplay. Yeah, Con Air, he's just Poe. He's Poe through the whole thing. He's flatlined. You better believe Nicolas that shit. Cage dies on screen when he is just straight <laughs> across the same character. The movie I was talking about earlier, The Runner. That's way later, right? This was like three or four years ago yeah, where it's yeah. like this weird Hurricane Katrina fan fiction <laughs> where well, he's, he's also in the greatest Hurricane Katrina fan fiction ever, which is Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. I watched three movies in a row, which included this Bad Lieutenant Port of New Orleans and another one where this all takes place in New Orleans. The well, worst because he's from there. So it's like, hey, come over. It's also <laughs> or he lives there. He's not from there. there. Yeah, oh, it's true. But he like literally lives there. The biggest like, ongoing disaster of Hurricane you, Katrina. How about is if you Nicholas make Cage's scr- film career? <laughs> how if, that's not true. He still makes a ton of money just because he blows it on like dinosaur skulls and bailing out all the like weirdo members of the Coppola family that no one else would talk to, including his, you know, I don't want to talk shit about his family. I'm, he seems like a really cool guy, actually, like who gives a lot of money to charity and actually like tries to help people out. 
But yeah, no, I mean, but people love that though. His meltdown, his giant career meltdown is what people like about him. Literally when he starts screaming at James Bond in The Rock, that's like the beginning of an entirely different Nicolas Cage. That is the beginning of a different thing. How about I try it? How about I try it? And literally, just, still you can see money the light though. go on. You can see Michael Bay. And you know what's funny is? This is Michael Bay's fault, isn't it? This is Michael Bay be, like being like, um, yeah, so um, I know you, you think you're yelling, but you need to like lose your goddamn fucking mind in this scene. And I'm sure we'll have an entire episode, but it is that moment where like, Pacino yelled at the end of Scarface and something clicked in his head and he was like, this is the way to do it from now on. I'm Pacino. And there is an element, like there is no way that face-off is like that if there isn't Bay telling him to flip his lid in the rock. And then, and then he goes directly into Con Air. The moment he was done filming Con Air, he went the next day to the set of face-off and then proceeded to become Castro Troy, the craziest character of all time. <laughs> like, if there's anything I can impart based on this episode, if you haven't seen Face Off, just pause this, pause this, come back to it later, watch Face Off, because if you haven't, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? I mean, honestly, who do you think you are? Because this is, this is America, goddammit, and if you haven't seen Face Off, then I'm sorry for you. I feel bad for you. I really do. I want to take his face off, which... Came up with the titular line based on improv, based on him being a lunatic. First of all, he shoots a kid in the first thirty seconds of that movie. I'm sorry, <laughs> in the, the face, first two minutes. In the he shoots a kid with a sniper rifle in the first two minutes of that movie. There are no flaws in that movie. It's a perfect film. First of all, I agree with you on the face-off <laughs> thing. Second of all. He goes apeshit Nick Cage in Vampire's Kiss. Oh, oh, you're right. No, that's true. Oh, you're right. I didn't know. That's true. Yeah, yeah, he has always been insane. But I think it's just an element. But like Vampire's Kiss, I've seen it one time. And I was, I'm going to say disturbed, which, which is weird. It's right. It's fitting. It's not cool. It's upsetting. I don't understand. I don't, <laughs> I don't enjoy it. It is not a cool movie. But then also he was in you know, a whole bunch of like really solid comedic performances. Cause that's what I'm saying though, is that he started more as like a sort of a comedic actor, you know, like Peggy Sue got married and even like, I know Moonstruck is kind of like, it's like a romantic comedy, right? Like it's a really intense romantic comedy, but he's funny in it, you know? And, and I think he got nominated for best supporting actor. And then, you know, I mean, he's he's also a wild at heart where he yeah. plays just a crazy. That's not comedy, though. No, but but it's he's just playing a crazy version of Elvis. Also, I agree. But I wonder, too, that connection about Heckerling having him in that movie, liking him and then Lynch seeing him and then wanting to put him in his movies. He's also worked with maybe all of the big directors of his era. Yeah, his uncle wouldn't work with him, which is kind of ironic. But then he works with everybody, every Lynch, Kaufman, Bay. It, like, I know that's not everybody, but. Scorsese, Bring Out Your Dead. I mean, I will admit this, okay? I apologize. But the last time I saw Bring Out Your Dead, I rented it on VHS from Blockbuster. Yep. And I I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to... Because I love Scorsese, but I was like, what the fuck is going on? It seemed to me just basically that the whole movie was just sort of Tom Sizemore's life in general. Uh, just a sort of walking hallucination. But there's a lot of weird comedic performances but then he does leaving las vegas and he wins best actor for 
possibly the most depressing movie of all time. Although you do get to see Elizabeth Shue's boobs, which, you know, that's a plus. Also, as a kid, I was like, wait, you're going to drink yourself? I mean, of movies that won a bunch of Academy Awards, that's one I tried to go back and watch recently. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, that is such a 90s grunge sort of movie in a way. Like, I'm going to kill myself with booze. There's some screenwriter like, yeah, that's a great fucking idea. Control, save. I've nailed it. I mean, if Cage isn't in that movie, though, it probably, if you have some lesser actor in that movie, not only doesn't work, but it you're not winning Academy Awards with that movie. That movie's ridiculous. The author of the novel killed himself the day the movie came out. Wait, that's not real. That's real. Holy shit. Yeah. That's how powerful of a wizard Nicolas Cage is. He can control time and space and kill people. It's kind of like when Stallone sued the guy who wrote Rambo so that he would have his name on the book for Rambo on First Blood. And the guy was like, no, that's not how this works. He was like, well, I mean, I made the movie. And so technically I then, in retrospect, also co-wrote the book. Like, that's incorrect. But that's fucking... He really? That's real? Yeah, that's real. Holy shit. Well, did he kill himself because of the movie? Or did he... I think the novel was a suicide note. And that's then he what sold I, the options. Mm, interesting. Because it... I mean, it's depressing as shit. It's also a very Oscar thing where it's like, do you like depressing the living shit out of yourself? Well, if you do, come watch this Oscar movie. I'm literally going through my head and trying to think of like a movie that won Best Picture that isn't like... Next. Well, that didn't win. That one, that didn't win. Best it didn't win. I, or got nominated for Best Picture. Excuse me. I'm, yeah. I'm just with Daisley. Or had a Best Actor performance in a movie that wasn't super fucking depressing. I mean, even it finally took DiCaprio fucking having to like fight Hulk Hogan and get eaten by a bear for him to and watch his kid die for <laughs> for him to win an award because all the other movies up to that point, I guess, were not depressing enough. I don't know. That's all. That was a makeup award because they gave Conan his Oscar. Mm. I remember watching it and being like, okay, look, first of all, dickhead, you get to bang Elizabeth Shue, okay? And you're going to kill yourself? You're an asshole, okay? First of all. Two, what is your plan? Does this even work? Can you even do this? Can you even kill yourself just by drinking vodka all the time? I don't know. I don't know. I'm a scientist. I'm also a doctor, okay? Welcome to Dr. Talk. Can you do it? Now it's a challenge to our listenership. Can you kill yourself with alcohol that's not over like a 60-year period? I don't believe you, but don't do that. After that, though, he wins an Oscar. Think about this. Think about the words that I am saying. Nicholas Cage Coppola, the man who would scream the bees in the remake of The Wicker Man, has an Academy Award. I think you're putting too much emphasis on the Academy uh, I'm sorry, but Al Gore has an Academy oh, okay, Award. Okay, yeah, yeah, but documentaries. Okay, Three Six Mafia have a they Academy earned, Award. They earned it. Three Six Mafia makes more sense to me. I mean, look, I love Nicolas Cage, and he is a great actor. But then after that, that's when he gets bonkers because that's when they start a listing him. He's not just making like cool movies for like David Lynch, you know, that are going to come out and sort of art house. Let's face it, they're he made not- adaptation after that. Yeah, but that's that's you mean the Matchstick Man. This Okay, I think that's kind of like the third period of Cage's career, right? Like, there's the first period where he's sort of young Cage. He's kind of working with different directors, trying different stuff. Then he wins the Oscar. 
Then after that, they're like, you are A-list. You are in big budget movies. Then they put him in The Rock. And The Rock, that's on the goddamn Criterion Collection. Plus, it made like $400 million. And he was the fucking star of it. And then he turns around and makes Con Air a Bruckheimer. It's not Bay this time, but it's Bruckheimer. And that makes like $400 million. And then he turns around and makes Face Off with John Woo. And that makes like like $600 million. And so like back to back to back, he is the biggest movie star in the entire goddamn world. And I think at that point, he's like, I'm going to get weird with it. I'm going to do whatever the shit I want now. I mean, everyone knows those three movies. You know, like those three movies are like, the movies and then and then you get into like weirder stuff after that because it's like after that it's kind of like some of them hit some of them don't but it's a lot of yelling and being weird (laughs) and getting nuts and doing weird stuff but then also doing your favorite movie of all time national treasure for disney never seen it oh we tried to watch some of it tried to we tried to it's bad luckily i was too drunk to pay attention there's a side of hollywood where they try to make movies that are just preposterously dumb and they don't even give a shit. They're just like, people are morons. Who cares? Like, what if Benjamin Franklin like invented hologram glasses and if you looked at the fucking, like you looked at the goddamn constitution, it actually is like a magic eye poster from like Spencer's in the 90s and it's like, there's a goddamn treasure that the aliens hid inside of fucking George Washington's skeleton. Like, (laughs) I mean, actually my version right there is fucking way doper than the actual national treasure. It too. It really would. It really would. Now, here's an interesting question about Nicolas Cage. Do you think Nicolas Cage is handsome? Because every single movie, you know how like a movie will try to tell you something is going on? Like chicks come up to him and they're just like, and they just start tweaking their nipples looking at him. Do you think Nicolas Cage is handsome? I believe Nicolas Cage was handsome. <laughs> And it's part of his right. ongoing legacy of being like this cage. People yeah. always think he's acting crazy and yelling and people are always going to think he's handsome. I was watching that movie, The Runner, to go back to that. Mm. And there's a scene where he's like down on his luck. He lost his like election thing. He had to resign from whatever thing he had. And then he's sitting at a pool and he's flirting with this woman. Mm. And I had to turn off the movie at that point because I realized they were about to kiss. And that scene makes no movie unless it ends with him murdering her. It doesn't make any sense. And then I watched this Paul Schrader movie, Man Bite Dog, mm. and it's the same thing. Young women who, like, maybe have daddy issues, I don't think that's written into the character. That's, like, me connecting dots that aren't there. Right. Because everyone just like, oh, you know who likes Nicolas Cage? Young women. It's it's as if in these movies, he is Nicolas Cage. You know what I'm saying? Like, people come up to like, I could see how an attractive young woman would be like, that's fucking Nicolas Cage. I don't give a shit that he looks like a melted version of Nicolas Cage. Like, I still kind of want to sleep with that guy. Like, hell, if Nicolas Cage came in and wanted to kiss me on the mouth, I'd probably let him, okay? Because he's Nicolas Cage. I'd just be like, that's interesting. But, like, you look at empirically, like, you look at, him in Raising Arizona. And he's a good looking dude. I get it. Like you look at him by the time of Con Air, and I know he's like working out a ton and he has a sweet mullet. He looks weird. Like his head sort of like grew. You know what I'm talking about? His like- head grew vertically <laughs> and his cheeks grew horizontally. And no matter how much weight he puts on and takes off, right. those do not change. Right. You're absolutely right. They do it with him maybe more than anybody other than Pacino where Tom Cruise 
Well, yeah, Tom but... Tom Cruise... Okay, but Tom, Tom Cruise is a vampire. He looks... Tom Cruise still looks good. They're digitally oh, de-aging him. I get that. I know that. And he's he using his Scientology powers. He's... And Katie Holmes is like, yes. And then, like, she wakes up, like, behind a 7-Eleven, like, seven years later, like, what the fuck happened to me? Like, you know, am I on Dawson's Creek still? And the... <laughs> am I still dating Chris Klein? Um, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Cruz. Yeah. Cruz. Definitely. But see, Cruz is also one of these dudes. Like, cause he, I will give. I will give Cage this though. He is one of these action stars who actually like doesn't really give a shit. Like, he'll get a little weird with it, and his characters will like have girlfriends and have sex scenes and be weird with it. Like, whereas like The Rock or later Tom Cruise, it's like a woman would be like attracted to him and he'll be like, I'm going to save you in Mission Impossible and maybe we'll kiss. Maybe. But more likely it's just like, Ugh. but also those, those, sorry to interrupt you, no, but those gentlemen no. you brought up are still making PG-13 action movies that make millions of dollars. That's very Nicholas true. Cage is starring in two back-to-back Paul Schrader films. Uh, yeah, but he also is within recent memory. Like, it, would it surprise you, though, if Cage was in another big movie? I mean, one was Kick-Ass, I guess, was like 10 years ago, you know. But, yeah, he's kind of becoming secondary characters. But he's still in big action movies and things like that, like big budget ones. I mean, because Ghost Rider was only 2010. And I like Never Dean and Taylor, like, and that movie was kind of a fail for them. I think they kind of got, you know, Avi Arad, and that's a whole thing with, you know, Marvel at that point, and them kind of handcuffing them. And because if they would have let Never Dean and Taylor, for people who don't know, made like Crank and Crank 2 and Gamer, they make like bananas action movies where they like know they're fucking stupid, but they don't care. They're crazy. And if they would have made a ghostwriter like that, they have the guy for it. It's like perfect. It seems perfect. Except when you think about it, like Marvel's like, no, I don't know. He can't smoke meth in this seat. You know, like the kids like go. No kids like ghostwriter. Everybody, everybody who likes ghostwriter is like a 30 year old douchebag like me. But the, uh, are you only 30? I am 35 years old. I'm a 30, like, you know, I'm talking in terms of like, you know, decades, decades. Yeah, exactly. I don't give a shit. I'll get, I'm going to live as long as I can live. I don't give a fuck if I get old, but did you see mom and dad? Him and Selma Blair? No. Oh, dude. It's Brian Taylor, who was never Dean and Taylor, right? But Brian Taylor now made his own. It's like a horror comedy about these parents who are just like fed up with their kids and try to murder them. So, and he's the dad, and Selma Blair is the mom, and they try to murder their children. And it's kind of great. It's really pretty funny. And Cage gets to be back to being like a giant smartass. And doing his crazy person stuff, it's kind of awesome and actually did really pretty well. It won, I think it won like a bunch of weird awards at a bunch of, um, god damn, which one was it? I'm sorry. Sundance. It, fucking, it won the Critics' Choice Awards at the fucking 2018 Sundance Film Festival. You know, so the idea though that Cage couldn't like next summer be in a movie that's huge, that's not true. I mean, it's not like he tanked all the way out. You know what I'm saying? He's not... He's not Schwarzenegger. Well, also, at this point. Mandy came out this year. Yeah, Mandy also, was a yes. fantastic movie. Absolutely, and also was a pretty big hit, kind of a big surprise indie hit, you know. And as much as I don't know how, I don't really that Tarsum guy. I don't man. I don't. I, his movies are very cool looking, and even Mandy was very cool looking, and Cage was cool in it. But it's like that guy watched every single Kubrick movie with the sound off and was just like, "This is what I like. I like the boring side of Kubrick. I like the scenes in Kubrick movies." They're boring as fuck. What if I made a two hour long 
boring Kubrick movie? What if I made a, an actual feature film that was just those hallway shots of The Shining? Mm, mm, good thing my parents are rich. I can fucking do this. And so, but, but what I was saying is like, Schwarzenegger's an interesting one though. Like, because I know Schwarzenegger's like 10 years older than him, but Schwarzenegger, yes, became a governor. But like, Schwarzenegger's actual career was like over by Eraser in like 1998. Like, Cage, Cage is still going, man. Like, I'll put it this way. If Cage never makes a big movie again, maybe. But I feel like just based on things like Mandy and Mom and Dad, like that guy reads the scripts. Like he, sure, he has to bail out his kid out of jail. And he's like, yeah, I'll make Bangkok Dangerous. How much are you giving me? 25 million. 25. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll do Bangkok Dangerous, which don't watch Bangkok. Bangkok Dangerous is bad. It is it is unwatchably bad, except for watch it for like 10 minutes because he has, I'm going to say a next level wig on, like a like a wig like the wiggediest wig. <laughs> he's got like an anime character wig on, like an emo haircut. Like he's an AFI. Yeah, he does look like AFI. <laughs> Let's do our normal thing that we do. Let's start with what is your, it's difficult here, but like what's a movie that really of Nicolas Cage's movies, you're just like, I don't like this movie. I'm not into it. Like, or maybe like one of the ones that like, you know, people like, but you're, it's not your thing. Do you want me to go? Then you could go. Or you can start with the ones you like. What's your favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Favorite Nicolas Cage movie is still Raising Arizona. Fuck yeah. Mm. That movie's perfect. Start to finish, there's nothing wrong with that movie. Interesting. I would say, though, I mean, face off, I don't even really like John Woo. Let me put that out there. Like, not personally. I met him. I hate his guts. He's a scumbag. He's a jerk off. That's not true. I've never met John Woo. He seems like a nice guy. But... There are no other John Woo movies that I could say that I really enjoy, but that movie, there's something about it that is just so different and so, they have a, like, there's like a part where they chase each other on planes. Then they have to escape from a super space prison. Then they fucking chase each other on boats. Then they chase each other on cars. And they're constantly trying to murder each other. And also, I'll give Travolta, because Travolta does this thing where he's doing a Cage impression the entire time. But Cage is just being him. It doesn't matter. Like, it's... And then you have to, like, remember that they're the two other people. And it's... The whole thing just works in this way where if I'm laying on the couch hungover... And Face Off comes on, other than maybe like the burbs or something, there's nothing where I'm just like, oh, thank you, movie gods. Thank you for the love of fucking God. Thank you so much. I, yeah, I'm going to watch Castro Troy be a fucking total creep job. (laughs) Like, I was late for work once and I, my boss was like, why are you late? I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I was watching Face Off with my roommate. He goes, the one with, uh," I'm like, yeah, yeah, they take their faces off. He goes, all right, okay, that's fine. Also, I love it's another one of those ones, too, where it doesn't make any sense, but it totally makes sense. Like as if you could just like pull your face off, like as if there there's nothing connecting your face to your skull. Like at any moment, if I just yanked your nose, I could just pop your face off and then pop it onto my face and then become your entire body. Right. (laughs) Like it wouldn't just be this horrific thing where it's still your fucking hair. It's still your the rest of you. But no, no, no. Now they're two different actors because they've switched faces and then they bang each other's like wives, girlfriends as if they couldn't tell they have different dicks now. <laughs> John Travolta being Nicolas Cage is a way better father. Oh, yeah. Then 
John Travolta as John Travolta. Absolutely. Castor Troy is a way better dad, which I love to. I love that. Like the fact that he shot that kid in the face at the beginning was helping out that kid in a weird way. <laughs> There's so many deep messages in that movie. Yeah. My favorite part about that entire movie is that they refused to meet before filming. So they just decided just to do what they thought the other person was like. Dude, every story I hear about that fucking movie is amazing. For instance, the first day of filming was the ending on the fucking boat. So John Woo was like, you need to be fucking nutballs in this scene. And Cage is just caging it. You want it? Come and get it. Like, <laughs> with a machine gun. Just, I, I give Cage so much credit. Just even for like, you just finished Con Air. You literally are probably like tired and just you're on a boat. And John was like, now's the part where you go completely fucking bananas with a machine gun. Like, I'll put it this way of actors that I would love to work with. I think Cage is up there. Like, I really do. Because things like adaptation, though, see, like, OK, so have you thought of your least favorite? Because I'm going to save adaptation for the third category. I hate Wild at Heart. Interesting. Yeah. You know, a lot of people I know like the shit out of that. I know movie. a lot of people that love that movie, like gobble it up, all that lynch shit. But it's just like the opening scene where he just like straight up just just murders a black guy. Also, there's just a black guy that shows up who's just willing to murder him. Yeah. And then it's just him beating the guy to death. That just sort of makes the whole movie seem racist from it's, the get go. It is. And it's also like there's. You're right. And also, as much as I like Lynch, sometimes, and I, I don't get me wrong, I'm never going to bash on filmmakers for trying weird shit, but like, I don't think it connects. I really don't think it works that well. I think, I agree with you. I agree with you entirely. I, I've watched that movie twice. I couldn't exactly tell you the plot of it. It reminds me of like the video game Double Dragon or something where just some dudes fight each other over some chicks, you know, like chicks. Just, just who, that's got fucking. The Green Goblin in it, right? That's got fucking, um, what's his face? The foe. The foe. Yeah, it's got him in it. Like, all the movies he's been in. Also, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, Willem Dafoe, we're also going to do an episode of. That's got to happen. I mean, because Willem Dafoe, also, I feel like Willem Dafoe has a certain kind of element like Cage. He never got to be as big a movie star, but like whenever he comes on screen, he just takes over kind of to me. That's the craziest thing about Cage. Like the second Cage appears on screen, if anyone else starts talking to Cage, does it matter? Like, really? I was thinking about that when I watched Kick-Ass again. I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the theater and I watched it for this episode. And it's like the scenes Cage is in are fucking amazing. And the rest of them are all kind of shoulder shrug, goofball hyper-violent scenes and the stuff he's doing of like this very violent but Adam West Batman if like Adam West Batman had a kid and went nuts and decided to train them to murder people you know it's a really interesting sort of like I said sometimes Cage creates characters that are so not like anything else you would see in a big Hollywood movie and because he's him they just let him do it, you know? But by the same token, I think the movie that I really don't like is actually fucking, and I said it earlier, is Leaving Las Vegas. I think it's, I don't like that weird thing that happened in the 90s of like glorifying fucking suicide and, and the romanticism of it and that plus, I, like, don't get me wrong, he's good in it. He really is. So's shoe. It's sad and he's he pulls it off more than I think most people could have actually pulled it off. But for that to be the one movie that he got a, a fucking Oscar for, it's like kind of lame. I don't know. I don't really like that movie that much. I think it's kind of shitty. But what would be your most underrated 
of the Cage movies. City of Angels. Ooh. I don't, I, that's, that's not real. <laughs> Is it because of the Goo Goo Dolls soundtrack? Yeah. I feel like we have to bring up the Goo Goo Dolls at every... <laughs> it's also like, you could go down so many Cage fucking loopholes, so many tunnels of just weird cagedom that we could go down. I think Lord of War is underrated. Yeah, fuck Andrew Nicole. Absolutely. It's a great fucking movie. I would say outside of Gattaca, every single one of Andrew Nicole's movies has been underrated. It should be like huge mega hits and they're just kind of people's shoulders. Do you not like Gattaca? No, I love Gattaca. I'm saying, but people, oh, okay, I think okay. Gattaca people respect yeah, yeah. and it made money and it is an amazing movie, I, but I think all the other Andrew Nicole movies, people are like, Andrew Nicole directed that? Really? I didn't, I didn't want to see it because I thought it would just suck. And it's like it's like the studio's not wanting to really advertise cool Andrew Nicole movies because they have a little bit of like complexity to their sci-fi or actionness. You know, they have a little bit of like of a brain. You're absolutely right. Look, yeah, that's a cool movie. It really is. Yeah. Also a very uh not screaming crazy person, Nicolas Cage. Kinda, yeah, and which is strange for that particular thing. You'd think like a wild arms dealing maniac guy. Really understated, you're right. Which I wonder about, because, like, Nicole, that's sort of how his characters play, though. That's He never wants them to freak out. Everyone's got this kind of cool, even keel thing, which I... It's kind of spooky, you know? With the exception of that movie, Simone, where can't stop uh, fucking Pacino. From, you really don't like Al Pacino, do you? It's not so much that I don't... But I find an interesting comparison between Pacino and Cage, right? That they have similar arcs in their career... They both were huge slash cage. I think still is like a little more relevant, but they were these mega stars who started as more subtle craftsmen and then kind of went into these caricatures of themselves. I think cage has actually later kind of realized that's happening and decided to be a little more nuanced and come up with stuff. But Pacino is just like, was that what were we talking? I think Pacino came out of it after uh, Jack and Jill. I don't even know what that is. That's a movie? He plays in... It's an Adam Sandler movie <laughs> where Adam Sandler <laughs> plays his own twin sister. Oh, yes. And Al Pacino tries to fuck her. Oh, <laughs> and This is real. Oh, yeah. And then the end of the... I'm the devil. Yeah. And then the movie ends with him doing a Dunkin' Donuts ad. Oh, yeah. This... I mean, look. Me and you have talked about one of our favorite movies is heat okay it is all right and pacino is the fucking man serpico is also one of my favorite movies obviously the godfather and all that kind of, i mean like but there's a certain point where he just hits critical son of a woman and after that it's just like oh yeah you want to have sex with her keanu reeves that's the kind of thing you like and it's like he talks like that in every goddamn line it doesn't matter what it is even if even if he's doing this subtle, right Who, who's this Oh, is this your, what is you? Like, I mean, that is so. Whereas I think Cage, though, yeah, he screams. <laughs> and yeah, if they're like, get nuts with it, he'll get nuts with it. But if they tell him to be more low key with it, he'll be a more low key actor. I don't think there's really, because of that, those three movies, because of The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off, which to the average person, Almost all the other Cage movies were just one DVD or one VHS box at Blockbuster. But those three had the whole shelf to themselves on the new releases for like a year and a half, you know, and people were still renting a copy of Con Air long into the end of the 90s. But because of those performances in those three movies and also screaming, not the bees, when they pour bees 
into his goddamn fucking suit in Wicker Man, which also, if you haven't seen Wicker Man, pause this as well. Go see Wicker Man. It's not that good, but there are several mind-bendingly hilarious moments in which they attack Nicolas Cage with bees. He punches a woman in a bear costume. <laughs> um, he accuses his dead daughter of not being dead. There are several. He he reads a letter out loud, which is my one of my favorite movie tropes in general. As if, have you ever gotten a fucking piece of mail and just opened it by yourself and be like, Dear Alex, oh, the city of Chicago wants you to pay your parking tickets or we'll cut your dick off. No, no one says that. No one reads their mail out loud. I read all of my mail out loud. <laughs> well, I take my mail on the train with me. <laughs> That's... That's because you're a weird street person, but that's your part of your performance arts. It is. <laughs> that's a different thing. I would say my underrated one, though, is Adaptation. Also, another one, if you haven't seen Adaptation, do it as fast as you can. As I get older, it's becoming maybe my favorite Charlie Kaufman movie. It's maybe the most impressive piece of meta filmmaking I've ever fucking seen. It's mind-bendingly good. The writing is elite the performance that Cage gives, not even just Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep and all these other amazing actors who are in it, who are also awesome in it and doing stuff kind of outside their wheelhouse, doing their own wild Kaufman performances. But the fact that he plays Charlie Kaufman as well as Charlie Kaufman's fictional brother and he comes up with an amazing version of Donald Kaufman. I mean, it's that you like more. He writes a version of himself that you like more and then cage comes up with a way to create that i mean it's amazing and i'm not going to spoil the ending because it's an amazing piece of meta and it's the one thing that whenever anyone talks shit about nicholas cage i'm like have you seen adaptation though if you've seen adaptation you realize though this guy is one of the greatest movie actors of all time like he might be a lewd he might sometimes phone it in <laughs> because he's in Bangkok dangerous and he's like, whatever, I'm in a wig. I need this money. But then I just always think to like adaptation or raising Arizona or I want to take his face off. <laughs> Brian's showing me a thing that says on Reddit, he has an entire community based around him called the one true God. <laughs> oh, I've seen those memes. The one oh. true God ones. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is also the most memeable dude ever. The the meme of him smiling from a vampire's kiss with it, which I'm doing a face and you can't see it because it's a podcast. When um my we'll put it on the episode. We'll put the picture up. When Bob texted me that his uh, old roommate was moving out, I just sent him a gif of Nicholas Cage and Nick Cassavetes laughing hysterically in Face Off. That's how we agreed on me moving into that apartment. Was a Nicolas Cage gift. Absolutely. Also, we're getting into a, a real point, which is love him or hate him. Like Nicolas Cage is this American icon. He is truly transcended. He is an absolute mega film star. He is. Everyone knows who he is. It doesn't matter if you're a 10 year old kid or an 85 year old grandma lady like you still have seen a Nicolas Cage movie. You probably like a Nicolas Cage movie. You probably hate a Nicolas Cage movie. He is beyond most other actors in that regard. And I think he actively showed fucking Coppola what's up. I mean, I know his, <laughs> I know he said a much better career than Coppola. He kind of did. He kind of showed his fucking uncle. He was like, you want to see some fucking acting? I'll show you some fucking acting. <laughs> 
which I love. I love that idea that he is such a Marvel nerd and there is honestly like a Spider-Man origin story. The day my famous uncle wouldn't put me in a movie, I decided to be a bigger movie star than he could ever fucking be. Like, I'll teach you a lesson, you son of a bitch. And I would just want to go to their Thanksgiving where it's like him and Sophia and fucking Jason Schwartzman sneaking out to like have a cigarette. Well, everyone else still gives them shit for still smoking. Like, I just want to be at like that fucking. That sounds dope as shit. Nicholas Cage's Thanksgiving is him doing the drive-through White Castle. <laughs> Not Nolan's. They ain't got none of that. It's fucking him getting blackout drunk at some bar on Frenchman Street <laughs> and fucking wandering. getting White Castles delivered from <laughs> New York. Yeah, they ain't got no White Castle in fucking in L.A. or fucking New Orleans. It's only Midwest dirtball places that got White Castle. There is one Burger King in New Orleans, side subject, and people use it as like a landmark. There's like, oh, Dessel about a Burger King. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Did you guys only have one Burger King? Yep. It's in Gatortown. <laughs> Speaking of Burger King and having it your way. Having it your way. What is a, uh, who's a person you want to see work with Nicolas Cage? What is a movie mm. you want to see Nicolas Cage in? Ooh, like a director who might work Director with? or Ooh. what kind of movie do you think, what kind of movie do you think would fit Nicolas Cage coming off of Mandy and Mom and Dad yeah. and the new Nicolas Cage? I don't know what happened on Bring Out Your Dead, but I would love Scorsese to take another shot with him. I think they would work really well together, like especially if it was him and DiCaprio doing something a la him and Rockwell, you know, with Ridley Scott and Matchstick Men, which we didn't talk about that much, but is also kind of a return to form for him. I think he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that movie. And also him working with the Coppolas. Like, if he worked with his cousin, Sophia, who is maybe my favorite director, and with Jason Schwartzman, who I love, who is his nephew, like, I would love to know what that dynamic is. I would love to see how that works. But those are the cool Coppolas. What kind of movie is he going to make with Francis Ford Coppola? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great... Let's really bring out the dad. Oh, man. But Francis is too much of a big-time fancy drug dealer now. This is the wine impresario of Napa, California. He's become the godfather. He really is. I mean, he really, like... I've seen him interviewed. He's like, I make more money doing this than I ever did. I'm never going to direct again. It's so much less stressful running a vineyard than it is making a fucking movie, which Francis Ford Coppola has one of the greatest filmmaking quotes of all time, which is that making a movie is building the train tracks as the train is coming. Yeah. No, that's (laughs) like, I love that line. Absolutely. How about you? What's your dream? Nicholas Cage, my dream Nicholas Cage movie. Cause like going back to adaptation, I want to see him make a meta movie. But I want to see him make a meta movie with Yorgos Lanthimos, who's the director of The Lobster, Killing of Sacred Deer, oh, The Favorite Dog Interesting. Tooth. This is my Nicolas Cage movie in my Ooh, head. Pitch me. I'm in the elevator with Nicolas you. Cage is playing Nicolas Coppola as the IRS sells off all of his shit at auction. Yes. And then Nicolas Coppola tracks then all the people who bought his shit yeah and he takes it back and also like his best friend slash agent is wesley snipes there we go oh i'm watching the shit out of that movie it's called dear irs yes back the fuck off and also, <laughs> it's called the irs is after you yeah <laughs> i watched the shit out of that movie there's like a side of me that still thinks wes anderson is wes anderson from like 15 years ago and so i've would love to see that. I don't know. I honestly think at this point, 
Nicholas Cage is too good for Wes Anderson. Here's another one, though. If he would work with the Coens again. I was literally about to suggest, yeah. I want to see a sequel to Raising Arizona. Maybe not even a sequel. I want to see where those characters are now yeah. in the minds of the Coens. Just him. Or if not the Coens, then Noah Howley puts him in like season five of Fargo. And he's like the main guy in Fargo. And I would watch the shit out of that. The only sort of Tarantino that he's ever done was the weird... Uh, Oh, the also, Nazi, the, the Fu Manchu, Manchu yeah. yeah, like add on. Technically, Rob Zombie directed that part. Did he? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That was the Rob Zombie movie. Oh, the Grindhouse. Which I don't want to see that. I'd rather watch Tarantino do that, and I hate yeah. Tarantino. Which is interesting. We'll get into that because you're self-hating Italian side. Sorry. No, it's because I hate thieves. <laughs> He's not a thief. Come Anyways. On. We'll get into that. We'll have an entire Tarantino episode, but I could go on to this for like ever of just yeah. like people that Nicolas Cage has not worked with who I would absolutely adore him working I with. I would love to see him work with Edgar Wright. Yes. Agreed. That Bingo. They should reshoot all of Baby Driver, <laughs> cut out Kevin Spacey, and put in, <laughs> in Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah, that's a movie. All right, so we're, we're coming down to the wire here. We're coming down to the end. I know. Don't cry. But what would you say, Nicholas Souter, you handsome manager of Blockbuster Video. What would you say are three Nicolas Cage movies that people have to see? They have to see them. My top three Nick Cage rentals. Yep, here we go. I'm going to go with As Uncomfortable as It Is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Vampire's Kiss. Ooh, I like this. I like this. I like um, that about you. As much as I want to say Raising Arizona, I'm going to say Raising Arizona. Oh, fuck yeah. And then... I'm going to go with, you know what? I don't know why. Gone in 60 seconds. Ooh, throw it in the monkey wrench yeah. at the end. I, I mean, it's, I a, it's bananas as well. I mean, it's yeah. another huge bananas action movie that also made a shitload of money. I mean, Jesus Christ, it did. All right. Uh, Alex's wall on Blockbuster, top three rentals. See Adaptation. Just do it. If you've never seen Adaptation, watch it. You need to. I one time went on a date with girl, and I showed her Adaptation. And at the end, she turned to me and she was like, thank you for showing me that, but I have a headache. And I was like, hmm, okay, all right, interesting. Also, I'm going to put four out there. They are as follows. The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. Watch them in order. Watch them in order. Watch him progress into the craziest human being who ever ran action movies in 90s Hollywood. There is no, there is no one else who ran 90s Hollywood. He was the he was the action star. <laughs> also, if you really want to see The Rock, you should go down to the Reckless Records on Broadway and pick up the Criterion version of the DVD for literally four ninety nine. I was there today. It's on the Criterion, it's, everybody. It's the both of the Michael Bay Criterion yep. films are Arm four ninety nine. Yep. Armageddon. We'll get into that. Used. Yes, we'll have a Michael Bay episode. But all right, so that's Nicholas Cage. Know him, learn him, love him. He's the best. He is. Maybe not the best, but he's pretty goddamn good. Uh, I had a really good time talking to you. We're going to be back next week with a whole nother episode of Blockbuster Film School. We'll have a whole nother topic and we'll get into this. I love all of you and I want you to take chances and drive your car real fast. Nick? The bees! Not the bees! <laughs> I'm Alex Bonner. This is Nicholas Sauter and our producer, Brian Tepps. We will, we will see you guys in approximately one week.